morning. Welcome to New Hope Church. My name is Chad. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, my sister got married, and it was a beautiful wedding, and um, out in the, this nice grass lawn. And so I wanted to record the wedding ceremony for them, and um, so I, I brought a tripod with me. I set it up. I took my phone. I put it on the tripod, and I got to record the the ceremony. And when it was done, we all went up to the house and. Uh, we got to congratulate them. We we're taking pictures. And the, the pastor that officiated the wedding came up and told them that they were going to sign the marriage certificates. So he told them, come. He tells the photographer to come. And he looks at me and says, come, we're going to sign the certificates. And I was thinking, why did he tell me to come? You know, there were other people there recording the, the, um, the wedding. And I thought, well, maybe because I had the tripod and I kind of looked apart. And, you know, I thought in that moment... Now, what is it in my life that shows my faith and my love for Jesus that I stand out for Him? And I thought about, you know, when we give our lives to Jesus and we receive Him as our Lord and our Savior, it's because we believe in Him. And we, when we take that step out of faith and we give our lives to Him. And so when we're giving out of our tithes and offering, it's out of faith. And it comes out of our life. When we serve in ministry, we serve one another we do that in faith. It comes out of our life. Sometimes there's decisions we got to make. And we make those decisions because Jesus is in our heart. He comes first. And when we do so, and when that comes out of our life, we glorify Him. If you're visiting us for the first time, we want to welcome you to join us. Uh, please don't feel obligated to give. If you're visiting from another church, uh, please continue to tithe at your home church. And if this is your home church here, we're going to prepare our hearts and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to lift you up, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the life you've given us, that we are part of an amazing journey with you, Lord. May you take our tithes and our offerings, receive that, and we just lift that up to you, Lord. We pray that you would be glorified in what we give out of our life, Lord. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Chad. Thank you. And once again, thank you for your hearts in, in giving to God and, and trusting Him. You know, whenever we put our faith in God's hands, he, he does tremendous things with it, and He does so much more with what we give to Him than what we can do on our own. And that's the faith that we want to build in God. And we've been going through a series, The Path of a Disciplined Prayer, and trying to develop that lifestyle of prayer. And for some people, it comes very easy. Prayer is very easy. They have a methodical way of doing things. They're a systems type of person. You, maybe you're an early riser and you can get up early in the morning and spend time with God and, and that's what you do. It's, it's your thing. You, you can get up early. And then there are some that will struggle when it comes to prayer. Maybe your thoughts are all over the place. So what we want to do is learn the discipline and the discipline that it takes to pray because prayer requires discipline. And it almost may seem like a, like a mundane topic, prayer. But prayer is pro probably one of the most underutilized tools that God gave to us as believers in our life. And it's one of those tools that, if not understood, uh, will not be maximized for its fullest potential. And so tonight, if we're looking at this uh, lifestyle of prayer and the discipline of prayer, it takes courage, it takes boldness to, to come to God and because, mostly because of our humanity and then the things that we have done in our past or the things that we're doing today that hinder us from coming to God. And so we have all of these thoughts of 
coming to God and, and does God accept me? Am I valuable to God? Or when we do something that is wrong, will God still listen to me? Or things may not go well, and then we're thinking, oh, it's because I did this. Or if God isn't answering a prayer, it's because, oh, may, maybe because I did this. Well, God is bigger than our mistakes and our sin. And we have to understand that. And tonight, we're going to be talking about a courageous faith. And that courageous faith has to do with our prayer life with God. So you can take out your, your app if you want to uh, go to the notes section. And it'll just help you to follow along. But we're going to be learning how do, we, how do we discipline ourselves when it comes to prayer and have that courageous faith in God. Because we can, get, we can actually get lost in the power of prayer, the time it takes to pray, how to pray, the, the things we should say in a prayer. In fact, we just went through the Lord's Prayer in the past weeks and, and taught about what it meant. And we can get lost in all of those things uh, in prayer that we forget what prayer is actually for and, and how we can come to God and how we can seek Him. And if we come to the place of understanding, we're going to be able to realize and see that Jesus really wants to spend time with us. He really wants to be with us. God wants to see us seeking him. And when we're able to seek God with a heart that remembers who he is, not who we are, then we begin to learn who we are. But if we're trying to figure out our life first and then come to God or try to get our act together before we come to God, we miss everything. And that's why prayer is so incredibly important. We cannot forget how valuable and precious our time with Jesus is. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 16, it tells us, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We, we have needs. We all have needs. It could be financially. It could be, you know, health-wise. Uh, it could be with the way we think. But we all have certain needs. And when God created us, he thought of everything. He thought of the details of how we would need to think, the structures of our, uh, our immune system and, and, and how he structured uh, our, our physical body and, and how we would work best spiritually. So he also gave us this thing called prayer. And sometimes if we don't understand what prayer is, we, we, we tend to learn from whatever we can. Maybe it's from someone else or maybe it's from growing up and we think that that's what prayer is. But the Bible teaches us not just how to pray, but the importance of prayer, and then how to keep praying. Because sometimes we'll give up on God when things are not going our way, thinking prayer doesn't work. But it's, it's more than just coming to God and asking for things. There's a way to approach God, and it comes through a courageous faith. And you may not think that you can have a courageous faith or a faith that is bold, but the spirit that God gave to us is not like, you know, when, when you go to the store and buy something and you, you have something tangible and if you bought it at $11, it's worth $11, but the moment you buy it, it starts depleting in value, just like a brand new car that you buy. The moment you buy it, it starts depleting in value. That's not what prayer is, nor it is, the, is it the spirit that God gave to us. When God gave us a spirit, to know him, that value is more than what we could think because of who he is. We got to remember we were bought with a price, and that price was the life of Jesus Christ. That was the, 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 the perfect example 
of how valuable you and I are to God. He, he paid for it with his very own life, our sin, so that we could have eternal life. And when the Bible tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, it's like God is saying, what are your needs? What, what, are, what are your needs? God is concerned about us. But you know what his biggest concern is? It's not just our needs. And although God loves us and wants to provide for us, and he will, his main concern is spending time with us. That's his main concern. As a child growing up, your parents could buy you everything. And you may like it for a season, but there's going to come a time in life that as you grow up, you're going to think, wait, I would rather spend time with you than you just keep sending me things. With God, it's no different. God is a God who wants to spend time with us. In John 14, verse 3, Jesus is, is comforting the people and his disciples and, and telling them that you're troubled with, with all of the things that are happening in the world, but don't be troubled. You trust God and I'll trust me. In my Father's, in my father's house, there are many mansions. In my Father's home, many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. He says in verse 3, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You know, when I read this scripture, I'm reminded of the mansions that we'll have, right? The, 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 the house that you and I will have, the living place that we're going to have. And it's your house. You live there. No one else. You can, have, you can have visitors there in heaven, but it's your house. You own it. God gave it to you as a gift. Now, we can look at that and think, wow, that's, that's so cool that we're going we're gonna to have that. But what Jesus is specifically trying to say to us is not only will we have the blessing of heaven. The point that Jesus is making is not that, oh, when, when, when everything is ready, I'm going to get you so that you can live in your own home and have a mansion in heaven and a perfect place. You know what he's emphasizing? He's saying, I'm doing all of this, preparing everything so that I can be with you. He's literally saying, I love you so much that I am going to prepare a place so that we can spend eternity together. That's how valuable you and I are to him. I mean, if I'm preparing dinner for Heidi, when we first were, you know, dating, I'll set everything and make it really nice. And then 25 years later, it's like, what you like to eat? I don't know, whatever, throw them in the microwave. <laughs> Things change over time. But what Jesus is saying is, I love you forever, so I'm preparing forever for you. And I'm doing it with such joy that I can't wait to see you face to face. And I can't wait for you to see me face to face. See, Jesus sets the foundation for prayer. He's saying in this, in this prayer life that we're going to have together, it's kind of like the, the beginnings of our time together for eternity. You're going to struggle here on this earth because you have so many distractions. But now when you get to heaven, when, it, when you're in heaven, it's just you and I. We're, we're, it's going to be, there's, there is no 24-7. It's just eternal until then, it is 24 hours a day, seven days a week that we struggle with. And he knows that. And so what he wants to give us is a courageous faith so that we can adjust our view of prayer as well as our time or prayer life. And here's how we do this. Here's the first thing that we can learn. Just spend personal time with the Lord. Spend personal time with the Lord. 
And I want to clarify what, what that means. Spending personal time with the Lord is separate from reading the Bible and journaling. Let me explain what that means. Reading the Bible and journaling is spending time with God. That's, that's great. And usually we find like a scripture that speaks to us and then we'll journal and, you know, write down some things that we may have learned. Personal time with Jesus is just you and him. The word is fine. So I'm not saying that the word is not. What I'm saying is sit with him and just sit with him. Talk with him. Think with him. Listen for his voice. And it can be a part of your devotions. So long as that part is carved separate from the journaling time. I hope I'm making it clear that this is very important, but also sitting and spending time with the Lord, just you and him, just thinking things through and, 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 and talking with him and just spending that time with him. Because the danger can be this, that the devotions that we do becomes a checklist. That I've spent time with the Lord, now I go on with my day. How many, there's so many people that I talk with and who tell me, you know, sometimes I forget about God all day. I forget about him all day. Not because you're intentional about forgetting about God or you, you don't love God. It's just because of the busyness of the day. That when we start off our day, it's already up and running. So we're actually behind in our day. By the time we put our heads down to go to sleep, we think, wow, I didn't even, I didn't even pray. I didn't spend time with you, God. But that personal time with the Lord is a dedicated time. That's why it's a personal time. It's dedicated, specific for the Lord because he wants personal time with us. When, we're, when my children were growing up, uh, I was involved in ministry so much that the busyness of ministry was, was taking time from the family. And so we had to figure out a way for me to spend time with my boys, just personal time, not just being at home and, you know, eating dinner together and playing together and, you know, doing homework and things like that. That's fine. That to me is a given. That's what we're going to do as parents. It's automatic. That is like bare minimum, which is like devotions. That's like bare minimum. The added time is what we called boys day, which was Saturday. So on Saturdays, it would just be daddy and the boys, and we would do stuff together. And we'd go play or, or go down to the mall or go down to a park or do something together. It was just personal time, aside from home time. And that personal time with the children was just to be with them. There was no agenda. There were no chores. It was just to be with them. And that personal time means something to children. And it meant something to me as a father. And it is no different with God that when we say, God, out of everything, out of the bare minimum of doing devotions and reading the word of God, out of the bare minimum things that I'm going to do, going to church, worship, and, and those things, Lord, I'm going to carve out a specific personal time to have my day with you. Just a personal time. And it may not be all day, as, as some will say, it's a Sabbath. You're going to take a Sabbath day. It may be a Sabbath moment. It may be a, a time like in the morning before you uh, head off to work. It's a personal time with the Lord. And it may be a struggle in the beginning because you're thinking, I don't have time. There's no time in my schedule. I'd say, as the Bible gives us the, the principle, start off with little. Just a little bit. Even if it's one minute. Just one minute. In other words, let's not have popcorn in the microwave beat us 
in the amount of time we take to spend with God. We wait for popcorn in the microwave, which is pretty long. Sometimes we're like, come on, this is taking forever. And we watch it's like 10, 9, 8. It's like, I cannot wait. Just open it up, radiation. God is looking for that specific time to be with us, and he has that time. It's us who have to carve out that time, not God. When we carve out that time, it lets God know that we want to spend time with him. And we can get caught up in the things to do that we forget to be with him. The Bible says in John 17, verse 11, and this is the prayer of Jesus. And if you, get, if you have a chance, read the entire chapter of John 17. But in his prayer, Jesus says, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Jesus just wants to be one with us. That's, that's how, how close he wants to be with us. And Jesus is talking about a personal, intimate relationship. Because all prayer is cultivated. All prayer is, is refined on the foundation of that time with God. It, it's heavily needed. Now, we have prayer habits. We pray early in the morning. We pray over people. We pray in church. We pray before meals. Uh, sometimes we have prayer during, uh, during a wedding. So we have different habits of prayer and those times of prayer, or even our devotional time. But what does it look like to have a quiet time with Jesus compared to just the habits or bare minimum of prayer time or, or passionately praying about issues and asking God for answers? or praying to him for our needs. Because there is a difference between the quiet time that we spend with Jesus just for him and us compared to all the other habits of prayer. God wants us to know his heart. But that's only, that's only going to be possible if we spend that time with him. He wants us to know his heart as he, as he deals with ours. And he's so good at that. That's why he says, when you come to me boldly, you're going to find mercy. You're going to find grace. And he wants to give us personal, a personal direction, personal instructions for our lives. And it comes through that time with him. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it tells us that early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Now, let me ask you a question. If Jesus himself took time out of his busy schedule to spend time with the Father, how much more important is it for us to carve out that time to spend with God? I mean, if Jesus himself took that time early in the morning before the sun came up and went to a secluded place and prayed, how much more important is it for us? What Jesus also shows us is that it is highly valuable. And his disciples recognized it so much, and people recognized it so much, that they, they wrote it down for us to read. That Jesus often went to lonely places, not just to go, but to pray. They knew specifically what he was doing. So I would, I would want to maybe encourage you in this. Just find, find a time you could start with 30 seconds, 5 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever. Start with something and do this for 21 days. 
Just start 21 days early in the morning. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to raise your hand, and this is very important, very critical for our neuroimaging to take place. So how many of you are early risers? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay, I'm not raising my hand because I'm an early riser. I'm saying to raise your hand. So, okay, put your hands down. How many of you are late risers? Raise your hand. Okay. I'm raising my hand, late riser. How many of you never rise up? It's like, whatever. <laughs> so for the late risers, it might be a challenge. It might be so much of a challenge that it might as well stay up because you sleep late. So if you go to sleep like 3 o'clock in the morning, get up. Just pray. Find that time. <laughs> Find that time to pray. But carve out just a, a simple amount of time and make that commitment. And you might have to do it creatively because maybe your children are still young. So maybe between you and your spouse, you're going to have to make an agreement. Like, okay, what if, what if you go this day, I'll go this day. You know, figure it out how you're going to support one another. Now, if you're single, then you're going to have to really figure out how you're going to do this. Um, I figure because we're family, I can throw this out. Sometimes the best place... <laughs> you already know where the best place is and, and no one bothers you there sometimes the kids come knocking on the door mommy daddy what are you doing I'm praying <laughs> in case you don't know what I'm talking about ask the people who are just laughing where that place is Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 tells us pray always praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. In other words, the Bible is saying, keep praying. You, you don't stop praying. You, you, you stick to prayer. Because your time with Jesus is as precious as you want it to be. It's really up to you and I how precious that time is going to be. And the word perseverance means to adhere to one. To, to connect with, to be devoted or constant to one. So when it says with all perseverance, you're constantly being connected through prayer in the spirit with God. You're constantly, steadfastly attentive to that you're, you're going to give unremitting care to a thing. You're constantly praying or to continue all the time in a place. And for Jesus, he went to a, 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 a secluded place. So maybe you can find a place or it means to persevere and not to faint. In other words, you're going to give so much that you're mindful of the time that you're spending or to show oneself courageous for. This word also means to be in constant readiness for one or to wait on constantly. That's what it means to persevere. To sum it up, it's basically keep at it, which you can write in the second point. Keep praying. You keep praying. Don't give up. Don't think that, well, I, I missed yesterday, so I, man, I, I, I messed up. I, I might as well quit. No, no, you keep going. That's what perseverance is. You're steadfast. You're continuously going. You're committed to something. And you're, 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 you're forming a habit to carve out that time. The habit isn't spending time with Jesus. The habit is the discipline to spend time with him because it's a relationship. You, you, you discipline yourself for that time. And perseverance doesn't mean, okay, I'll grind it out and then I'll just suffer through everything. No, perseverance is different than that. It's not grinding our teeth and keep going until we get God's attention, until he finally does something. That's not, that's not praying and persevering. We don't earn an answer from God by bullying him into action. I, 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 I hope we can understand that we cannot bully God into doing something for us. 
what we do is we spend time with him because God isn't moved by our complaining. God is never passive about our prayers to him. He knows our needs before we even know them. In fact, the idea of persevering or being persistent in our prayers evolved from the original intent to now just being almost like a nuisance. You know, when we read some scripture and it almost sounds like, keep knocking on the door, keep knocking on the door, it almost sounds like a nuisance. But Jesus teaches about boldness and the boldness about prayer as well as the assurance that he teaches us to ask freely and then to expect greatly from what God is going to do. And when we're able to ask freely, it comes with no pretension of, well, if God doesn't answer my prayer, then I'm done. No, you keep praying. What Jesus was intending to teach us was not to behave in such a way as to gain God's approval or to win his interest so that we get our prayers answered. He teaches differently. In fact, he gives us an illustration in Luke chapter 11 and and in verses five through eight, Jesus says to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Jesus says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now we have to be careful because the point that Jesus is not making is beat on the door until your hands bleed and then your friend comes to give you what you want. It's not what he's saying. I remember that actually happened to me. It was probably around 3 o'clock in the morning, and I hear a knock on my door. Now, when you hear a knock on your door at 3 o'clock in the morning, first thing you think of is burglar. Well, that's what I thought. I'm thinking, this, this guy going to knock on my door. Then when I open the door, he's going he's to rush in. So, you know, you, 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 you get to the door, and we didn't have a window where we could see where the, you know, by the doorway. So I go by the door, and I'm listening, like if there are people talking, like if they're talking, like, okay, when you open the door, let's just rush. So I'm listening for that. I'm looking outside for cars. I can't see any cars. And he knocks again. And then I hear, Sheldon. I'm thinking I recognize that voice. So I'm a little bit more calm. So I open the door a little bit, and it's my friend. And you can tell he's, he's a little distraught. And I said, hey, I'll, I'll call him Bobby. I said, what's up, what's up, Bobby? And he says, I need help. I said, okay, what's up? So he started to explain to me what was going on. We probably spent an hour, hour and a half just talking and thinking things through. Now, when that was done, I went back to bed and and let Heidi know, you know, what was going on. I was never at, at any point that I feel bothered by my friend. I was more concerned about who it was than I was, oh, who's bothering me three o'clock in the morning? I was more concerned, but then when I found out it was my friend, it was more about, okay, how is he doing? What, what is the need? And when Jesus gives this illustration and he uses this parable, this story, what, he's, what, he, is, what he is not saying is that you're bothering God. He wants, us to be, he wants to make a clear distinction between bothering God 
and God being ready for our needs. The story isn't about the persistence of knocking. It's about the person who is knocking, who is bold enough to risk being shamed, humiliated, and even risking this friendship that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock on my friend's door this late at night because there's a need. Because how often do we don't go to God because we think we're going to bother him, he's not going to answer prayer, or, he, or the prayer that we have is too small for him. Now think about the context. Someone comes to your house and asks for bread at 3 o'clock in the morning. Think about it. Now be real about this. Your friend comes knocking on the door. No texting, just knock. We open the door. You're sleeping. Put all your kids to bed. In fact, they're in the bed with you sleeping. You come to the door, and your friend says, Hey, Sheldon, I can, I can have some bread. Bread? What do you need bread for? My cousins came over. No more sandwich. We got to make bread. Like, what? Go 7-Eleven. Why never go store? Like, we can, we can even think those things. But what Jesus is doing is he's saying, this man risked that friend saying that. Like, really, you're going to bother me 3 o'clock in the morning for bread? I'm going to never go to auntie's house on the road. She's closer. Like, we could have all the reasons. But this man, he risked everything, even his reputation, in the hopes that his friend could fulfill his need. And what Jesus does is he makes the point that when we pray and ask God for things, God doesn't mind at all. He doesn't mind. See, Jesus addresses our humanity in that moment, our humanity to hesitate before coming to God. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. In other words, you may not have a bold faith or a courageous faith, but Jesus says it's there already. You're just hesitating. You don't hesitate when it comes to your prayer time with me. God is always readily available. You know, this word persistence is a word, uh, a Greek word that is anaidea. It comes from two words, A-N, an, and then A-I-D-O-S, aidos. So those two words together, the A-N, an, it negates the meaning of aidos. So when you put it together, an aidos, it negates the second word, which means shame or modesty. Idos, modesty, shame, reverence, regard for others. So this word persistence is saying, don't be shame when you come to God. Don't be so modest that you, you think you cannot come to God. Be bold enough because he's ready for you. He wants to spend that time with you. Be courageous enough. And don't worry about the things that we're thinking about that may impede our closeness to God. He's saying, no, you come to God boldly. And the person asking didn't get his answer because he knocked on the door until his friend was irritated. He got his answer because he was courageous enough to risk his self-image and his own pride. He was bold enough. And therefore, we can be bold to come to the, the throne room of God. And God already knows our needs. So I think we can bury the idea that God is bothered by us. God is God doesn't move because of the amount of energy I use and the amount of energy that we use of knocking and being persistent in prayer in that kind of way. He's saying, no, be bold in your faith with me. Just be bold because I want to be with you. 
which we can write in our third point. Just be courageous when praying. Be courageous. He's saying, just be courageous when you come to me. When you ask, be courageous. And if you want to jot down three things or just maybe some thoughts about how to approach God, here are three simple things when we come boldly to him or, or courageous when we pray. Just enter his presence. You're going to enter his presence. You're not, not necessarily entering prayer time. We're just saying be courageous when praying, but really you're entering his presence. So enter his presence. And when you enter his presence, open your heart. Because it's in his presence that there is going to be fullness of joy. So when you open our hearts to him, he's going to fill us with his joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. But if I come to God with a closed heart, he can have all the joy in the world, but if my heart is closed, he cannot fill me up with his joy. So come to God, enter his presence, open your heart, and then receive instruction from him. Just receive the instruction. And that might be the difficult part because we may come to God and enter his presence, open our heart, and then start spewing out some things. And then God says, okay, this is what I need you to do. This is, this is how I need you to be. There's another story that Jesus gave in, in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. And this is a parable that Jesus spoke to them that men ought to pray and not lose heart. So he said, there was a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because of this widow, because, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Like he's saying, I, I, I'm just going to give her justice because I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get tired of her. So here's the setting. The judge is a corrupt judge. He's an unjust judge. He didn't care about God. He didn't care about man. He had no respect for, for the divine or, or justice or earthly justice. He, he still takes action. Even regardless of all of that, he still takes action in the interest of the widow because she keeps coming to him asking that her case be handled. But his motive is not justice for her. His motive is she's irritating, get her out of here. His motive is not noble and it is not just. And Jesus gives this story. And what Jesus is not doing is he's not making the judge comparable to God. He's not making the judge comparable to God at all. He's showing the contrast between the judge and God. The, the, the vast difference. See, the, the view, that view, if we think that, it's, that the judge is comparable to God, then that means that God will bless us the more we bother him. And sadly, that's being taught through this scripture. But that's not what he's saying. Jesus is using this in contrast to show us what does not happen with us and God. That's not our relationship with God. Jesus is showing the readiness of God, not his resistance. He's showing that God is always ready. In other words, we have a just judge who acts accordingly. And he does it with compassion. His motive is love. And even though it may seem long in coming, when we pray with God or pray to God, and whatever it is, is taking a long time, it doesn't mean that God is not interested in us. 
It just, it, for some things, it just takes a while. I look at it as, as a promise, that there's a birth of a promise, but that the birth of a promise takes time, just like natural birth. It just takes time. The, the birth of a promise also takes time. It's like the, the process of, of sales to multiply and become this newborn baby, so too is the process of the promise of God to form into the delivery of the promise. It takes time. And God's timing is the best time. God doesn't need to be moved into action. He's always ready. And sometimes he's just waiting on us. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, when faith was tested or challenged or asked about it and even doubted, Jesus says, you know, because you have so little faith. He said, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I want to close with this, and, and Grayson can come to the keyboard. I, I used to think of that scripture as, wow, I mean, we have right now Mauna Kea, and I know things are happening up there, so it's, this is separate from that. It's like looking at Mauna Kea, and saying, God, move that mountain from here to there, and it will move. So that was my thinking, that that, that can happen. And, and maybe, God is, maybe God can do things like that. And maybe we've seen our prayers answered in that kind of way, and God will move quickly like that. But he also gave me another view. And this is while I was growing up. While I was growing up, they did a lot of construction work where we lived. And we would love... Uh, we, we loved riding bike where they were doing construction because they had, you know, piles of rocks and they had, you know, piles of dirt and we would make ramps and things like that. Well, I remember one day they had uh, truckloads of rocks and huge mountains of rocks. And what do you do as a kid when you see those rocks? You play rock fight. So we'd play rock fight and it was so fun because, you know, you, either you get hit or not. It's just, either, I mean, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose an eye. But that's what we did. But every time they would work on the construction site, I would notice that they would bring the excavator or whatever scooper they had, a, a bulldozer, and they would move the rocks. But what they wouldn't do is move the entire pile one time. They moved it scoop by scoop and rock by rock. And, and I want us to picture this. Maybe you've been praying about something. Maybe you've been hoping that God would do something. And maybe you've been persistent. Maybe you've kept on praying. And maybe you've been praying for 30 years, 20 years, three years, two days, whatever it would be. Or maybe in the future, you're going to be praying for a while. Maybe God is moving that mountain stone by stone. It'll come. It'll take some time. But maybe in that time, God is not concerned about moving the mountain. He is concerned about moving you. That there's something that he's doing in your heart that is greater 
then the mountain he is actually moving. So by the time that mountain is moved, it was never about the mountain and it was never about God answering your prayer. It was always about your relationship with God. That's a courageous faith. It comes back to God and us. We might as well practice now because that's how it's going to be for all of eternity. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, your promise to us is that if we have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, that we can, we can move mountains. It may be rock by rock or scoop by scoop, but you're doing something. In the meantime, we'll keep praying. We'll be courageous in our prayer time. We'll, we'll set aside that personal time with you. And all the while you're moving mountains, you're also moving us. And you're doing something in our hearts. So our prayer time with you and, and that, that faith and our, our, our courageous faith that we have in you as we live this out creates in us and, and continues to manifest through our life to a point where as we're living out our life with you, not only will we see the good works in and through our lives that you're able to accomplish, but more than that, we'll see you, that our prayer time with you is, is not about the things we can get from you, but it is about you, period. So I pray for all of us tonight that we'd make some adjustments, maybe even some commitments of spending some time with you early in the morning, before the day starts, before our phone wakes us up, before social media grabs us, that we would spend just that, that short amount of time and be faithful with that, whatever time we want to commit to, to be with you, just with you, just to talk with you, listen, spend time with you. It doesn't have to be any, any topic, Lord. It's just to be with you. So can you help us to do that? We want to be disciplined in our prayer life with you. And even though it may take rock by rock, stone by stone, and moment to moment, it is all worth it. Because in the end, we will spend eternity with you in heaven, in our very own home, because you prepare a place for us. And when it is ready, you will come and get us and so that we could be with you where you are forever. So we thank you for that hope. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. We all said together, amen, amen.